Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 61. We are starting a brand new year, a brand new season together, and this is going to be our introduction to the Nuns and Duns series. Let's do this! Before we start off with our first episode of the year, we just want to say thank you so much for joining us on this journey over the last few years. We know that 2020 was quite the experience, and as we anticipate what 2021 could look like, we want to bless you guys in a special way. We're actually doing our second swag draw right now, and three lucky listeners will have a chance to win one of these awesome camp snapback hats. If you want to see a picture of what that looks like, go over to our social media on Facebook, on Instagram. There's a picture of it. And when you see that picture of it, if you would like to participate in this draw, we have three of these hats to give away. You just have to do three simple things. One, name your favorite episode, the most interesting episode for you in 2020. Number two, describe a topic you would be interested for us to tackle in 2021. And number three, tag three friends who may not have heard of camp before. If you do that, you'll be entered into a random draw for one of these three hats, and we're going to deliver these hats right to you. We're going to be picking three winners at random and announcing them on our social media platforms on January 7th. So you only have a week to enter if you would like to win one of these hats. You could do it on Facebook or Instagram, or if you want to do it old school, you could email us and CC three of your friends. And this is just a way for us to say thank you to you guys for being on this journey and for listening. And also, because this is January 1st, let me start off this episode by saying Happy, Happy New Year, everybody, as we launch into a lot of great conversations as we planned out for this season. And we're starting it off with this series of nuns and duns. And like when we say nuns, you know, it's N-O-N-E-S. It's not those who have joined a convent and have dedicated their lives in that way. Of course, we can talk about that, you know, maybe in a future episode. It would be fun too. Maybe we should invite some. Yeah, we should. We should totally do it. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, starting off the series, we've been wanting to do the series for a long time. And it really is an opportunity for us to kind of dive deeper into this topic and to kind of approach it from different ways and such like that. And so with that being said, Bernard, you just heard his voice. Bernard is here. Xenia is here. What's going on? Hey. 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 Hello. 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 New year. This is a brand new year. Even though we're recording this in 2020, this is a brand new year, 2021. And we're looking forward to it. So right off the top of the bat, I guess one of the things that we want to share a little bit about, and this could be a, a bit of a personal reflection, is why do we feel that it's important to address this topic? Or why do we feel it's important to do a series on this specific topic? I think personally for me, this has been a lot of my time and energy in the last many years. I would actually say from the very beginning of me entering into some form of vocational ministry, like nuns and duns were the reality that I was kind of engaged in, in the conversations that like probably that I find myself talking into. Because I often find myself in conversation with people who are just like either been hurt by the church, disillusioned by church, or um, just like, I'm tired. I can't do it anymore. And just kind of wanting to understand, like, so, you know, what is God doing in the midst of 
you know, this, this, this group of people who either has like no connection to any kind of religious faith backgrounds, which we can probably tackle another time. Like, I, I don't actually fully think that that's actually possible. And then with the Dunn community, it's just kind of like what happened and what led people to that, to that point. How do we as a Christian community walk with and like help find healing and restoration in the midst of that? And even like taking that first step of like apologizing for maybe what we have done ourselves. I think I whispered on that. My first foray into vocational ministry was also with nuns and duns. And frankly, I think we don't hear their stories enough. I think that if we're serious about being the church and figuring out what it means to be the body of Christ as one family, we got to hear some of these stories where people have said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if this is for me. I think it's really important to hear the stories that have been left out. But personally, I think I the thing is, is that I've been a done. And so I've seen the power of God, right, in my own life. And I think the reason why I came back into the church, quote, unquote, is because I had a group of people who loved me back into the church who said, well, actually, there's a, there's a place for you here. So that's my personal stake in some of this. But it's also that I want us to be able to, as a church, be able to say, okay, having heard some of these stories, what does it look like for us to make space? What does it look like for us to be a little bit more inclusive? What does it look like for us to actually own up to our sin and to repent and to make amends? So that's that's why I think this is important. Now, I definitely hear both of you guys and the idea of just listening, of being present with people and engaging them where their journey is, you know, that's something that has been part of kind of the drive of our missional conversation and of this podcast. But I think in terms of making more space to kind of listen to stories, and that's going to be a lot of this series, is just listening to the stories of others and to hearing their hopes, their longings, their hurts of why they have left the church or have decided to have no religious affiliation. I think it's so easy to come from it from a specific church perspective and just to generalize and just be like, oh, you know, this is why so-and-so has left. Or there's a lot of misconceptions. But I think just in listening to people's stories and just to be sitting with them gives a way for us to be like, you know what, you know, what's going on in their life? You know, how do we kind of both humanize, but also see that like maybe there is a way in which God is engaging with them in ways that we can't even imagine right now. And so I think with with this, there's there's a lot in this kind of conversation that's been a very important thing for me to kind of dive deeper into. And I've recognized that for myself, having grown up in the church and having served in specific contexts, which has not specifically addressed, you know, nuns and duns and try to having a posture of listening and having a, a posture of engaging and, and reaching out you know, that that's left us with a sense of either misconceptions or confusions and such like that. You know, it's easy just to preach to the choir and it's easy to just to say facts. But then when we actually listen to a person's story, that's something completely different. And, you know, to consider how Christ himself entered into people's lives and stories, like, you know, what what's some ways in which we can kind of consider that as we, you know, as we think about, you know, this topic and, you know, we're we're not equating a topic with people like we we wanted to specifically be like you know what we're listening to stories of people and with that you know how do we continually just listen and listen to their questions and what's going on in their lives and their hopes and their hurts and so 
What is this? It's a New Year's Day miracle. It's actually happening. Shu has made it to the call after all. What's going on? Yo. <laughs> yes, you made it excellent, the four of us together. Yes. And so we're starting this episode asking the question, why is it important for us to have these conversations about nuns and duns? And why has it been important for you personally and in your context to consider this topic? Well, I've personally seen quite, I would say a few second generation Asian Canadians, you know, make a decision, a confession of faith. I've seen this, you know, in my life, my friends, people in my congregation, but after they make that decision, or, you know, maybe it's at some kind of revival meeting, maybe it's in, you know, even a one-on-one kind of decision after, you know, hearing the gospel or hearing a form of the gospel being presented then now they've jumped ship. Some still believe in God. Some of them do. Some in some kind of agnostic way, maybe. But yeah, maybe some people were seeing things in the world that the things in the world were more important to them now. And maybe it was career. Maybe it's traveling, personal lifestyle, all this kind of stuff. Some left because of hypocrisy and frustration with people in the church. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I think the reason why this series is so important for me in particular is that there isn't just a simple explanation of why people are done with church, but I think we better start paying attention to some of those reasons. We've got to start having that dialogue, start talking about it. And then also for, for the nuns side, I'll be honest, this part's a little harder for me because I, I'm not as familiar. And I think a lot of churched people at times are not. Most people I've interacted are either coming out of church or you know religious institutions and or at least been influenced in some way. And the the nuns, though, they're an interesting group for me because it shows how insulated at times I've been uh, inside the church growing up. And sure, my experience of, you know, hanging out and befriending nuns in, in, in school. Okay, I hate that we're categorizing in this way right now, you know, but I, I have friends who just, they, they don't have any context of, of faith, of Christian faith in that way of checking out faith. But I think we also need to consider this group, the these nuns, if we're serious about being on mission and engaging, you know, who the Holy Spirit is leading, leading us to. It, it impacts our discipleship because most of the time we're like, oh, I just want to do discipleship. That's the people who are inside. No, we also are discipling those who are not Christians yet or who have never heard of Christ yet as well. No concept of Christ. So it's important to engage the nuns. And we got to practice this kind of gospeling that maybe some of us are uncomfortable doing. So yeah, this is just, you know, some of the thoughts that are rumbling through my mind. So much to dive into, so much to kind of look forward to in this conversation as we listen to others and as we continue to, for us to process, internalize, reflect. One of the first stories we are going to hear is Helen Moe. And Bernard's going to do a little bit of intro about Helen because Bernard knew Helen. And, you know, this was someone he had a personal friendship with and a connection with. So passing things off to Bernard. Ah, thanks, John. Yeah, I'm kind of privileged and honored to kind of introduce my friend Helen. Uh, today we're just going to be listening to a clip that she's, she's shared from an event that we held in Toronto called The Learning Party, and it was hosted by New Leaf. Uh, so the clip is actually from New Leaf, a partner and a friend of ours. We're thankful for them for lending us this clip so that we can kind of do some reflection. It's kind of different this time as you're showing a clip because actually Helen would have been my number one guest onto this show because she's so invested in the Canadian Asian narrative. But sadly, uh, about three, three and a half years ago, she, she died in her sleep. 
and we just never had the opportunity to have her on our podcast. But Helen was a PhD candidate studying at U of T and has this, this really incredible and robust story of you know growing up in the church, like seeking at one point wanting to go into seminary, but then in university having the the kind of disillusionment of what faith and this kind of ecclesiological framework looks like, and then just kind of left the church, and then coming back later as a as a scholar looking into the Canadian Asian narrative. Like she's probably one of the few people that like I knew that read through Charles Taylor's stuff. Yeah, and then just able to kind of regurgitate it in so many different ways. Like, I'm excited for you all to hear this talk. This was probably one of her last talks because I think 23 days after this talk, when we were supposed to meet up, was when she passed. But what was so significant about, I think, what she shared about and kind of the way that she framed it, it's because, like John has said, our hope and our desire is that we want to have a posture of listening. And I know even for her, she's shared with me before where she was part of research of trying to look into Canadian, Asian people who have left the church, right? Like they, people are doing, there's tons of research of that. And she was kind of helping out in that. And then, they, and then she was sitting there and she was listening to a bunch of people who were talking about this topic. And then she's saying, like, why would you just talk about this topic? Why won't you invite me? I am who you're talking about. Just let like invite me to speak on it. So I find that like the way that she's able to talk about it is an insider, outsider, insider perspective. Someone who's been in the insider, who's gone out, but now kind of looking in, but with all the frameworks and understanding. So yeah, so I'm excited for us to, to kind of listen and talk a little bit about this very, very unique talk that Helen has. Thanks so much for the introduction, B. And here's Helen. So thanks for inviting me here. I am coming here as a current PhD student, former high school teacher, but most specifically and most significantly, um, somebody who grew up in a church, used to be very active in churches, and am now no longer part of a church of any kind. So being here is kind of like walking in, walking into this new leaf event feels a little bit like walking into the Ghostbusters headquarters as a ghost. It's like, hi, I'm, I'm your cautionary tale. So it's peculiar, so thanks for listening. So. What I'm going to do is start by giving a bit of an account of my own experiences, and then I'm going to try to speak first to some experiences that people who have left the fold have shared with me. So push factors, uh, what sometimes people identify as being reasons that they leave uh, the faith. And then I'm going to end, so as to not leave you all sort of like sobbing into your coffee, I'm going to end on on some more optimistic things, um, some perspectives on what those of us who leave actually acknowledge that that churches do really well and that we've really appreciated about faith and about church communities. So first off, how did I get here? So I, you know, it's like the beginning of a testimony, but this is an untestimony. I grew up in a Christian family. My parents, like so many others, immigrated from Hong Kong with these religious networks already in place. And they had this sense of confidence about their place in the world, about their place as Christians in the world. So with the intention of sort of just transplanting that to Canada, they started these faith networks, these churches um, in the suburbs, ostensibly because it was, you know, they were Christians, that's how they they identified, but I think also with this sort of back-of-mind intention to preserve a way of life and a sense of moral order. Now, it's a tale as old as time, the fact that religion is kind of this thing that brings people together, and so immigrants especially gravitate to it. 
They say uh, migration in particular is a theologizing experience, and that was definitely the case for a lot of the communities that I grew up in. And now that I've kind of left the church, I realize that what I thought was limited to immigrant churches is actually kind of true of all churches. The fact is that they tend to have a way of preserving specific subcultures for positive as well as for negative things. So I really thrived in church growing up. I took very seriously all the teachings and values. Um, It was very natural for me to not only absorb, but also actually amplify the message of the gospel. By the time I was in my teens, I had taken up a lot of leadership opportunities. I served in fellowship, joined performance teams for a big teens conference. I led Bible studies. Um, A lot of my dearest friends were from the same circle. We ran outreach events. We prayed together. And we really flourished in this bubble of, of religion and subculture. My worldview was then fundamentally Christian, and I would actually say that to a large degree it still is. I don't know what I'd call myself. I think I'd sometimes describe myself as sort of like a quasi-Christian, maybe agnostic, post-evangelical humanist. It's really impossible to say. And as a friend of mine who has a similar story said to me yesterday, she said, there's no such thing as truly post-Christian. You leave, but you can never really leave. It's in our DNA. And I think she was um, dead on about that. So what went wrong? I guess sometimes um, when, I, when I'm in this context, I, I feel that people who are trying to do outreach or build churches wonder, you know, what about those failures, those people who, who have left? Uh, what went wrong? And I kind of want to say that maybe it's not a matter of something going wrong necessarily. Maybe there was no fumble. So in a classic arc, for me, a big part of my uh, sort of turnaround in life came about when I went to university. I'd always been a really voracious reader, really curious about the world, and it was there that I really got a sense of context. I glimpsed a lot of this tremendous arc of human history and civilization. I met Christians who believed differently than the Christians that I grew up with, which was actually really lovely, and I learned about how people see things differently than than I do, in large part because of how they grew up. I also uh, met Christians who really changed my mind about what it meant to be an evangelical, actually in a huge plot twist. The church I attended uh, when I was at school was actually Jared's first church plant. It was and remains actually the closest thing to a Christian community that I've really truly wanted to stay with. So maybe more on that later. But something about me was really changing a lot in those years, and it's really hard to pinpoint, but it feels kind of like maybe an intellectual awakening coupled with a fuller sense of context. So for the first time, I could kind of see around and outside of the community that I was raised in. And socially, things were also in flux. And for the first time, I was outside of this really insular Chinese evangelical bubble. And after a period of alienation and loneliness, I kind of realized, um, to my own surprise, that maybe I had never actually fit all that well in that, in that bubble to begin with, and maybe I wouldn't go on fitting there for much longer. A lot of people don't actually leave the church. I think they leave a church, or they leave a community, or a way of life. So every weekend or every summer back in my church, my suburban Chinese church in Toronto, I'd sit in that pew and try to go on as usual, and it was super not like the church that Jared ran, and I'd sort of sit there and feel that difference really acutely and kind of be grouchy about it. I tried, and I think as much as I wanted to be there with all the people that I loved and had nurtured me, I tried to imagine staying, and I realized I couldn't see a single adult who was anything like me. There just was no model at all. And I didn't really want to acknowledge that, but I think it was in the back of my head. And other people that I've spoken with, my interlocutors, um, especially certain types of women, people with creative streaks, um, a lot of people have very similar stories to this. 
from my friend, I, I just want to quote you something. She said, it was always being told some version of your world needs to be smaller and me running up against it and being like, no, my world is big. I can't live with the fact that the church sees the world as smaller than my world. So I stopped trying to stay when I realized that being in that space was actively turning me against the faith. I'll give you a bit of a laundry list of some of the, the real push factors that have crystallized out of my research, but also my own experience. Sometimes small-mindedness, insularity, what historian Mark Knoll calls the scandal of the evangelical mind, the emphasis on sometimes feelings and groupthink over intellect, but conversely in certain circles, especially maybe Asian church circles, the overemphasis on diligent study and education and getting that MDiv, the fact that questions were often synonymous with uh, dissent, a tendency to ask for honesty and transparency, but then penalize people when they actually show it. I don't want to sort of dwell too long on the negative, because I think these are just very idiosyncratic personal experiences. But what I want to leave you with is this idea that sometimes belonging to a faith community, whether it's Christian or not, can mean that the same cultural codes that really support some people have a way of amputating bits and pieces off other people. And depending on the church that, you kind of, that you're a part of, sometimes uh, the amputations uh, happen more to people who are women, people who are queer, people who are creative, people who live in the mind, maybe a little bit less in the community. And even the kindest, most well-intentioned disciplining of the self can over time actually do real emotional and also psychological violence. And we're not talking about things like tattoos and, you know, weird piercings. We're talking personas, gender, aptitudes, things that are really integral to who you are. My friend said to me, I didn't leave in anger, but I left exhausted by the pigeonholing as a young woman. So pay attention to your ghosts. Some churches have an absence, and sometimes it happens to be female leaders. Some of it is, it could be the poor, it could be the awkward, it could be the unhip. These ghosts already haunt Christian communities, I think, to a certain degree, and perhaps they should. But to leave on a positive note, and I'm fast running out of time, there's a very real nostalgia in those of us who leave churches. It's like a phantom limb. There's a sense of community and deep, lifelong, ethical commitment to service and community building that we found in churches that we often don't find elsewhere. Or sometimes we do, but we still realize that we were trained in this in churches. The idea of that gracious relationship where somebody loves unconditionally, I think is something that this world truly needs and I really see very rarely. You look at the way politics are going today, the partisanship that we see. Ironically, um, even in my fairly like liberal circles, it's actually quite uncommon to find people who can civilly disagree and show love and be forbearing. And those are all things I learned ideally practiced, I saw ideally practiced in Christian communities. And I still believe that actually churches have a tremendous role to play in that regard. So when I carry out my research, even now, I actually often deeply admire the emotional reserves, the spiritual resources, and the emotional maturity and resilience that I see in some Christian networks. People are suspicious of love that has an agenda, but I really think that the upside of religious community and religious togetherness is incredibly powerful, especially in this age of very fractured publics. So I hope that you don't grieve the fact that Christianity has lost primacy in the broader culture. I think it's, it's in many ways possibly even a good thing. Those of you who have faith should believe that faith is something that's worth believing in, regardless of whether or not other people always believe it. That was a lot to process. I definitely can appreciate Helen's articulation of her questions, of her reflections, and it raises so much for us who are listening to reflect on and 
to unpack and to consider what does it mean for us to walk alongside those who have these had these experiences. And as Bernard was saying earlier, someone who was on the inside, who then went on the outside, and then is now looking in, that's such an interesting experience and an interesting perspective. And so we're actually going to be wrapping up our introduction right here. The four of us have so many thoughts and reflections on what Helen shared, but we're going to be saving that for our next episode. We would love to hear what are your thoughts as you listen to Helen's story? What were some of the things that are going through your mind? How did they connect to your context? Do you see a lot of the same things in your churches, in your own communities? How would you respond to Helen? Please reach out to us and let us know. We would love to hear from you. And in a couple of weeks, we are going to be sharing with you how we started to unpack and think through a lot of the things that she was bringing up. So you definitely don't want to miss our next episode. We also want to shout out New Leaf for sharing with us Helen's talk. That was done at one of their events, and we're so grateful that they shared the audio with us. If you don't know about New Leaf, they do so much great work in the Canadian context, church planting context. You should definitely check them out. They have been partners with us. They are friends of ours. And so please check out New Leaf. We're so thankful that they shared the talk with us. There is just so much to unpack and to kind of continue to dive deeper in on the topics of nuns and duns. And for the format of our series, we're going to be listening to people's stories, engage with them, and to be reflecting, to be thinking about what does this mean for us as the church? How do we respond? How can we understand? How can we engage and invite people in? And of course, there's going to be times where we're going to lament. There's going to be times where we're going to be grieving over certain things that have happened in the past. But one of the things that we're, we're aiming to do is to approach this with a sense of hope. Maybe in some ways, God is breaking through and his kingdom is breaking through, that he is actually shaping us, shaping our culture, and we're part of that process. That's part of being on God's mission in this world, the restoration, the redemption of it, and that we realize we need his help to do it. And so this is the start of our new year. We're starting off with this series. We're so excited for it. There's so much that we're looking forward to and that we've already recorded, and we can't wait for you guys to hear. If you haven't done so already, please remember to rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. That helps you get this regularly so you don't miss any part of this series, but also helps us as a podcast to get this conversation out there. And you can reach us, and we'd love to hear your reflections. You can reach us by email. That's contact.campodcast at gmail.com. So contact.campodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us by Facebook, Instagram, and by Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how you're continuing to wrestle with this topic. And we're going to be back with some more. And so, once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. And we hope that you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.